Greetings, programs, and welcome back to the awesome Friday podcast, uh, the only podcast where you get to hear us review two movies a week. Uh, we do uh, own that format, patent pending, trademark, blah, 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 blah. Uh, my name is Matthew, and with me, as usual, <laughs> is Simon. Say hello, Simon. Hello, and if you're dazzled, I know this is a radio podcast, but Matt, if you're dazzled by the sight of my clean teeth, it's because I've just returned from the dentist. That's my interesting life. That's and, uh, uh, this... that's exactly what the film lovers come here to hear about. So, well, <laughs> this is the first dentist trip as an adult where I haven't been up to my eyeballs in Atavan. So I feel, oh, sorry, the second. This is the second. So I feel like that's a personal victory. I don't is that know because it's ever... only like your fourth or fifth time to the dentist as an adult? I don't want to. I, I, I. Sorry, you're breaking up. I can't hear the question. <laughs> I, I had what some may want to call oral trauma. As it. <laughs> That's just um, phrasing, <laughs> phrasing. I had a shit ton of teeth out when I was younger by a really shitty set of dentists in England. Um, I Whoa. went to a dentist. Hang on, hang on, <laughs> Stop. hang on. Shut up. Bad, <laughs> bad dentistry in England? I what? went to a dentist in Canada for the first time here, and I was talking to him, and I was like, and he was just looking at stuff and just getting angry and angry to himself. And I was like, I just, I haven't had a good time with dentist like they took a lot of teeth out and he just went it's because in british dentistry is like barbarian we would never do anything like this here like do you can you understand like how terrible and that was it for the next five minutes and so apparently canadian dentistry does not view british dentistry to the highest uh, standards yeah and um, honestly I, did, I didn't really realize this until a few years ago but apparently it's because all of the stereotypes are correct well <laughs> it isn't I mean, like, I unless, unless you're, like, that. very wealthy. Unless you're very wealthy. I don't know about that, because I, I, the stereotype of English people have buck teeth all over the place, that that's certainly true for many people. It's true for many Americans as well. It's true for many, many other people. Well, but in um, America, it's but, true because nobody can afford it. But, well, I mean, that's true. But the, uh, the, the result of all this, and also my, thanks to my genetics, um, my canine teeth uh, actually grew in front of my other teeth. So I had full on, for about two years, I had actual werewolf teeth, like in front of my jaw. Like actual like, vampire fangs. Va well, top and bottom set. So I could crack nuts with them. I could put like a nut between them and crack them down. And they took all of those out. They took like eight teeth at one time and I wasn't, even asleep for that and um so uh, Look, i'm just gonna go ahead and i'm just gonna go ahead and say it you could crack it up between them title of your sex tape anyway <laughs> <laughs> no no title of my sex tape is definitely oral trauma um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so i went to the I, after much haranguing by my wife i went to the dentist and i was like look cards on the table Oh, I'm a big baby boy. Like, I, I hate this. I hate you. I hate this. I have a terrible gag reflex. There's another title of my sex tape. Um, I, I, uh, I don't want to be here. Title of my sex tape. And, um, and the dentist was like, well, do you want some Ativan? And I'm like, can, can I have some Ativan? He's like, sure, how much do you want? And I'm like... Sub or like he was like, I'll just give you like ten tablets. I'm like, just take half and see how you do. So <laughs> no, take two, take two, and see how you do. So next time I went to the dentist, I took two Ativan, and you're meant to take them an hour before you go. 
And I've never taken Ativan before. I haven't really done any kind of drugs. I did speed once because someone spiked my drink. I don't smoke marijuana. I, I drink and I smoked tobacco. But beyond that, like, I haven't done any normal drugs. So my body's a temple, sort of Taj Mahal in shape, but still <laughs> drug-free. And um, <laughs> Just... <laughs> for, for the hour going up the hour going up to this appointment, I'm like, wow, the, maybe my metabolism's so fast, maybe nothing's happening. And then the world started just like sinking. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And I remember being taken in by the arm to the dentist. I'm like, hey, man, <laughs> what, what, are we, what are we doing today? And then he laid me down and I sat there and I listened to a podcast. I'm like, I'm just going to listen. He's like, yeah, you carry on. I was in there. And then I came home and uh, completely tripping my balls off. And I put on... Uh, I put on Spiritualized. I don't know if you know Spiritualized. They're a British alt, um, like electro band from from the late 90s. And I put on Flight of Nova, which is basically a game where you're a space trucker. You fly between space stations and a planet. And I, like, I've never tripped balls before, but I was there and I could feel (laughs) my face hurting from my smile. I'm lying, like, on the couch for the next two hours with music on in the, almost in the dark, flying around in space. I was like, oh, turns out Antivan's really cool. (laughs) I sure hope I don't get addicted to that. Um, so each time I've taken Antifan, and but then my wife went away for a few days, my filling fell out, so I had to go back unmedicated, and and I got through it. So now I'm like, the problem with Antifan is that I, it kind of takes away the whole rest of your day, and I certainly couldn't record a podcast, so I went unmedicated. So, so I'm a big so boy, brave boy. thing is you've graduated to adult dentistry. <laughs> adult, competent dentistry. I, I feel like, yes, the dentistry, they're so nice. I've got a cleaner called Aaron who's just lovely. The dentists are, like, lovely. Everyone's just lovely, and that's even unmedicated. Um, so it's, well, that, it's nice It's nice to be back in the cycle of just once every six months. That's, um, I mean, that's very much what our movie-loving audience is here to hear. Oh, about. come on. So, they, they're here for the banter. They're here for the, <laughs> they're here for the homo, the no homo love between two straight men. And like, with the fact we talk about movies is secondary, I'm sure. That's actually probably true. We do, uh, <laughs> you are my platonic life partner. It's, it's true. Yeah, yeah, baby. Thanks, baby. Yeah. <clears throat> so I suppose we should uh, talk about movies, unless you want to tell me how you are in a long rambling monologue about oral care, title of your sex date. <laughs> uh... No, actually, because I have simultaneously uh, a lot going on and very little going on. It's a weird combination of lots of boring, stupid shit that is not interesting, even to me. So I don't want to talk about it. Um, I do, uh, you know, I said on a podcast before that, you know, my goal for the year was to start getting back into physical media. Uh, Title of my sex tape. Um, and, uh, so I went from owning zero Criterion editions to now owning like eight or 10 (laughs) in the span of like a month. So I should really, uh, stop that. Uh, no, probably not. It's just just expensive. Everything's expensive. Inflation's a bitch, man. Mm -hmm. Um, and I dug out, like, I actually have a shelf full of DVDs. So I found like my old uh, i have the the godfather special edition dvds from like 20 years ago and a special edition of ben-hur from like 20 years ago 
mm-hmm. uh, and a few other things like that. I still have, I think we talked about even last week, my special edition of Total Recall in the metal Mars-shaped tin, uh, which is a DVD from That's again. That's pretty like, sweet. It's like a 20-year, it's like a 10-year anniversary. The movie came out in like 92, so I think it, I think this is like a 10-year anniversary in 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that just made me crumble into dust like I was one of the bad guys in an Indiana Jones movie. Um, but yeah, I'm just uh, watching movies. I just finished up coverage. Or, uh, so by the time you re- hear this, I will be finishing up my coverage of the Sundance Film Festival. I managed to actually Ooh, cram in exciting. six, uh, or depending on how tonight and tomorrow go, uh, six or seven films, which is sort of mm-hmm. more than I anticipated. Uh, and uh, I will be recording a special episode with Rachel tomorrow because she also is attending uh, Sundance. So look for that on the oh, feed wonderful. later in the week or middle of the week, probably. Oh, yeah. Uh, Rachel, again, I don't know why we have to keep pointing this out, but she's basically part of the crew now. She's just on the show. And that's just uh, that's just how it's going to be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Whether she likes it or not, we've adopted her, is what you're saying. That's true. That's true. And, you know, uh, she's also the editor of Exclaim, and it's not a coincidence that I now have a byline on Exclaim. So if you want to hear about the new Apple TV, TV, Apple TV Plus TV series, Shrinking, I have a review that got published. Uh, I guess uh, Friday morning it got published. So there's a thing you can go read that I wrote that I got. It's... Uh, Something yeah. feels wrong. Something feels very wrong about Harrison Ford in a light comedy TV show. You know yeah, but I mean? he's so good. He's so good in it. Really, really yeah. not good. Yeah, I think in large in part because he's an old man now, and so a lot of his role is basically saying contemporary things incorrectly, and he's really, really good at that. Like just delivering <laughs> those kinds of lines, very mm-hmm. deadpan, uh, and having like the young. The younger people in the cast. There's one younger person in the cast in particular who he interacts with a lot, and he'll say something, and she'll be like, "That's not what that means." <laughs> Just it's funny, literally every time. <laughs> but the show is cool. good, and you should watch it, and you should read my review of said show. So go do that. I'll link it in the show. I definitely will. Yeah. So what are we talking about this week? Uh so this week we're starting out. This is, I think, our first week where we're talking about. Two new movies from this year. We're not catching up on anything. We're slightly catching up on one, but it's still a 2023 movie. Wow, well, um, I know. Is it a yeah? So the the one movie premiered like had its world premiere in December, but went wide. Mm. Like was released to the general yeah. public in 2023. So it's a 2023 movie. Right. Uh, and the other is the new Netflix thing that came out this weekend, and that's Same. what we're going to start with. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's a movie. It's a well-meaning mm-hmm. movie. Um, but we're going to talk about You People, which is from uh, Kenya Barris and Jonah Hill, uh, directed by Kenya Barris, co-written with Jonah Hill. Uh, Kenya Barris, probably most famous for uh, the show he made is called Blackish. Um, uh, and Jonah Hill, famous for, at this point, being Jonah Hill. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, <laughs> where to start? <laughs> uh, the easiest way to describe this film is that it is a contemporary remake of Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. That's it. That's the whole thing. Uh, except instead of a young, uh, instead of a young white woman bringing home a black man, it's a young black woman bringing home a white man. Uh, 
so it's kind of a remake of the remake of Guess Who Was Coming to Dinner because this movie's been mm-hmm. remade a couple of times. Uh, and Jonah Hill plays the white guy who meets the young uh, the black girl uh, who's played by Lauren London. Um, they meet and they fall in love and they decide to get married and then Julia Louis-Dreyfus plays uh, Jonah Hill's mother and um, Eddie Murphy plays Lauren London's father and hilarity ensues. Occasionally, depending on your tolerance for this sort of thing. Um, I'm not going to really go into too much detail on the plot. It pretty much goes exactly how you'd expect. Um, they have, you know, he can't meet anyone. She can't meet anyone. They meet each other. They fall in love. The parents don't like the, you know, the black, the dad doesn't like him and the mother kind of loves her too much. And then they have, and they have a falling out and then they get back together in the end. It's not rocket surgery. Um, and I don't think we need to get that <laughs> too much. Rocket um, surgery. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I'm going to you, so I, I think, I think you like this film, I'm guessing, slightly more than I did. I did, or, or in that there's a lot of this film I didn't like, to be fair, but the stuff that I did like, I really, really liked. And primarily, I really, really liked Jonah Hill and Lauren London as the two leads. I thought they were both great. Uh, I'm really interested in sort of where Jonah Hill is in his career right now, because he, um, he of course, obviously started out super bad as the fat, funny one, and then he made some very, very good choices, I think. And he really surprised me on Wolf of Wall Street, but he's, he's done a couple of dramatic roles as well. And this well, is Money, kind Moneyball of role... before that as well. Um, oh, yeah, Moneyball's a great and, movie. And he showed up in so, a ton of stuff as, like, supporting. Yeah. But always, you're right, he always sort of like the fat, funny one. Yeah. So he's he's funny in this as well, but it's he's not goofballing at all in this movie. He feels really, really genuine. I he wrote this movie with the director and I'd be very very interested how much of the dialogue if uh is improvised and then edited down because a lot of the conversations between him uh Lauren London the girl he meets and falls in love with and particularly Julia Lewis Dreyfus as well who I love I mean I've got a massive crush on her so I might be a little bit biased but I, I love her as a performer and she's a very she's she's a very talented improviser as well and we know he is and it just feels there's some moments in the movie where it just feels so natural between Ezra and Amira, between Ezra and his mum, Shelley and those are the parts of the movie that I really, really enjoyed because they Lauren London and Jonah Hill really bounce off each other they've got a really nice connection I think and it's uh, it felt very real, kind of how they got together and stayed together. And, uh, but on the flip side of that, I really, really, really thought, well, I'm not sure hate is the right word, but whatever they decided to do with Eddie Murphy's character was wrong. Like Lauren London's dad, like it stopped being about a race thing because they're very active, proud black family. And so react to a white Jewish boy who's, who's trying too hard. And also uh, Jonah Hills Ezra has a podcast about the culture. So he has a podcast with his black 
best friend about exploring black culture. And so they're really suspicious of this white guy stealing black culture, which has never, literally never happened before. <laughs> and so they are justified in that. And what I think is interesting is that their, their mistrust is justified, but Eddie Murphy's just an asshole. In fact, it, it, it's interesting because the whole crux of the movie, it's not really a spoiler, but this is kind of addressed really close to the end that there's a difference between not uh, being suspicious of a white person and being an asshole. And um, w- whereas you've got Ezra's parents, um, Julia Lewis-Dreyfus and David Duchovny, who I thought was... David Duchovny is so brilliant in this movie. And the problem is that they, they both have no idea how to talk to a black woman as a woman. They have to talk to her as a black person. So to to show that they are allies they go way too far julia lewis dreyfus uh okay i gotta just... i gotta say it's Dre- julia oh. julia louis yeah? dreyfus am i say lewis dreyfus yes Lu- louis it's louis dreyfus it is it's not lewis dreyfus it is not uh okay who did she marry mr I louis d- I don't, okay. I don't know, but it is. Is that Louis, just common knowledge? Louis Dreyfus. Yes, it is. Okay. Is that common knowledge? So I've spent literally years saying Julia Lewis Dreyfus. Thank you for the correction. You're, you're uh, welcome. You only the... said it three or four times on the record here, so it should be fine. Well, <laughs> no one heard it. Literally been saying it my whole life since I knew she existed. So it's so a Louis. Excellent. But, and she tries to, she basically overwhelms her with references to black culture to show that she's an ally. But David Coffney, he just has an obsession with exhibit <laughs> and it just keeps coming into this. Like everything is referenced to uh, exhibits journey, which I found really funny. And he's really, again, he has no idea how to talk to a mirror at all. And so in, in the, you know, it's coming when they both stand up to the other's parents, Jonah Hill stands up and does his thing. And, and Lauren London talks about her thing. And, and it, the movie was kind of ruined for me with, I don't know what Eddie Murphy was doing with this performance, first of all. He's really understated. Sometimes he's almost mumbling. You can't actually hear what he's saying. But he's mostly, it doesn't feel like he's genuinely being a person. He's just trying to be the biggest asshole he could be, which is the, uh, I just didn't like that part of the movie at all. Didn't work for me at all. I yeah, thought it I stopped being about race then. It stopped being about a gentle exposure to the other race. And just, it felt like, uh, what's that movie, Meet the Parents? It was just, just turned into Meet the Parents. Where yeah. Eddie Murphy was just Robert De Niro. Yeah, that's probably the part of the movie that worked the least for me as well. And I don't know if it's a letdown just because it's Eddie Murphy. And he is very understated. And I might go even so far as to say a little flat. Um, yeah, no, I agree totally. Um, because like normally he's so flamboyant in this movie, he's just not that. Um, so I do kind of wonder if maybe it is a, like an expectational letdown, but the bigger problem really is that the character is just kind of, is kind of a dick. He's kind of an asshole. Um, Mm -hmm. and I do think actually one of the best scenes in the movie is the scene where Jonah Hill finally calls him out for it. Mm -hmm. Um, those two scenes, that sequence where they do stand up to their respective other parent is phenomenally well performed, I thought, by everyone involved, including Eddie Murphy. 
uh, once he gets to the point of Jonah Hill basically telling him what's what. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no one better in the world than Julia Louis-Dreyfus for doing cringe face. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, there's no one who can make that smile that also says, oh shit, I uh, fucked up. Yeah. You know, then Julie Louis-Dreyfus. And she does it, she has to do it a number of times in this movie because she's the overbearing Jewish mom who's way, way too, like, overcompensating in the, like, in every situation. And, uh, like, I thought she was really good. I didn't actually think, I, I'm not going to say that David Duchovny was bad, but I do think he was clearly thinking he was in a different movie than he was, if that makes sense. <laughs> You know, like I mean, he's but, barely but, in it, though. To be but fair. he's barely in it. This is the other problem that I really have with the movie is that you're right. Um, Jonah Hill and Lauren London are both great. They're both really genuine, sincere performances. Um, they're both really well fleshed out characters, just through the way they interact, like not through any exposition, but through body language and the way they interact and the way they talk to one another. So even though a good portion of their relationship is sort of montaged over they still feel like really well fleshed out human beings. And the dad, Eddie Murphy and Julie Louis-Dreyfus are also reasonably well fleshed out. And literally everyone else could have been a cardboard cutout in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They're, David Duchovny is fine, but like it could have been anybody. And mm-hmm. um, there's a sequence with... Um, uh, there's, a, there's a bunch of people who cameo in this movie. And like... Like, Elliot Gould is in this movie, and he shows up for, like, oh. ten seconds and no lines. And he, and like, why would you, like, why would you waste a chance to have oh Elliot Gould in your movie? Seriously, exactly what I was thinking after. Well, first of all, I thought Elliot Gould was dead. So seeing, seeing him in this movie was a shock. Um, but I thought, actually, that can't be Elliot Gould. Because who uses Elliot Gould for, like, ten seconds in total? Yeah, and who does and this, that? <laughs> and the same thing, like the most fleshed out of these cameos is probably Mike Epps, who does have a couple of scenes mm-hmm. and does get to be the like the guy, like the inside man who gets says to Eddie Murphy, like, no, maybe you are being an asshole. Um but also like Rhea Perlman is in this and she's a hilarious mm-hmm. person and she has about mm-hmm. three scenes and four lines total. Mm-hmm. Um there there's just so many. Like Hal Linden is in this for like one line one line at the beginning anthony anderson's in this for like one scene and three lines and i and like i get that it's cool that all these people are in this and normally i'm the kind of guy who'd be like did you see all the cameos but that only really works if the movie is great right like otherwise it just feels like a bit of a waste and unfortunately for a movie that's being billed as a romantic comedy um it is suitably romantic but not very funny like not very little of it really works. I I do think you know I am on, I'm on the team, like as with the aforementioned series, shrinking or Ted Lasso or uh, plenty of other things. Like I think things can work better when things like this can work better when they're being sincere than when they're being funny. But I do think they still have to be funny if that's what they're going for. You know what I mean? I know, but romantic comedies generally are a more gentle kind of funny than laugh out loud funny. I think this movie... No, I fully so, disagree. Like, no, uh, the best romantic comedies are laugh out loud funny. Like, unless, you know, there's, there's, there's the exceptions. There's definitely some like, scenes... 
there's there's definitely between there's China this, and... <laughs> yeah there's definitely the like when Harry <laughs> even even when when Harry met Sally like is laugh out like that would be a gentle oh, comedy. Can, that Jesus. is laugh out loud funny you you can't compare this movie to when Harry met Sally I'll you compare it to anything I want. <laughs> well then, if we compare w- it to Pacific Rim One, there's a distinct lack of like dinosaurs in this movie. That would well, there's a distinct it. lack of dinosaurs in both of those movies because the bad oh, guys are kaiju <laughs> from another dimension. So no. if we're gonna like, like comparing movies, it's an it's a fairly I think apples to apples comparison to look at other romantic comedies. And I think that Netflix has done a pretty good job with a few romantic comedies in the last few years. Um, I just don't. And I think, I don't think this one is bad. Exactly. I didn't really connect with it, but like, I still think it's probably see it for yourself and decide, but I would personally just rather watch guess who's coming to dinner again. I wish we had just watched <laughs> that. And we're talking about a classic. I am. I haven't seen it. I should look that up. Yeah, you should. It's a good um, movie. This this is sort of this is like fine, aggressively fine at best. Maybe watch it for the initial scenes between Jonah Hill and Lauren London. Let's say I really got a lot out of that when they are. There's quite a nice section where they are when they go from like first date to going steady, and mm-hmm. how that builds is really nice. It doesn't feel uh, like fake at all, especially as in his his first date, he is trying to clearly be something he isn't. And then you actually see him soften up a bit and become a bit more um, genuine with her. Oh, Sydney Poitier, that man, and Catherine Hepburn. Of yeah. Course. It's oh, funny geez. you say that too, because I would actually argue that it would be better to just watch the, like assume the first half because you're going to like, from our description, you should be able to figure out what the first half is and then just watch the back half because most of the good performance stuff comes in the last act. And the, f- the first act I felt was quite shaky and the second act was a bit like, oh. and the whole thing is over long. Like it's a solid, it's almost two, it's yeah. only a couple minutes short of two hours long and this could have been, this is one of those ones where like I think maybe like a tight 90 or a tight 100 minutes might have been a better choice. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I'm uh, usually say, the guy who says, uh, "Like, let it go as need as long as it needs to go, man." But like this one, this one uh, really needed to go ninety. Yeah, to be fair, it's a bit flat. I, I would say first half because it's got less Eddie Murphy and Neil Long in it. Like, they're just rude. There, there's no, there's no more to their characters than rude, and uh, I don't like rudeness as a a way to greet someone. It, well, there, I would there's say no real. There's no real aspect of like sus- being suspicious or. Or, like, it would have been interesting. We, we've we already known that Eddie Murphy's character is painted as this hyper-real, hyper-aware of culture person. But Nia Long, they could have written her to be, like, the intermediate a bit more passive, a bit they more could, nice. They could have written her to be a character at all. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can't what you say. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I like... Nylong, she's I think she's a great actress, but she's not really doing very much in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, she has less time than David Duchovny, who has basically no time at all. And that's only because, and he only has the time he has because he got a re- like a recurring gag, really. Mm-hmm. And um, I would say tune into the last act just because 
it gives up all the pretenses of trying to be funny and just starts being like a story about two people. Like it's more, it's basically from that point on, it's like maybe a dramedy if you're being generous. And I think it's a little easier to Uh stomach, um, given, given that it's meant to be funny. Like, cause it's just not very funny. Like since I didn't laugh, I don't think, I don't, Uh I think the only, there's only one scene that I think I laughed at and it wasn't because it was funny. It was because I guess technically, yeah, it's funny, but it's because there's a scene where like Eddie Murphy brings Jonah Hill to a situation thinking he's going to be like destroyed by it. And then it turns out he's really good mm-hmm. at this that situation. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to spoil it, but like that that sequence I thought was really good. But that was really the only like really funny bit for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, it's a shame because like it's it is super well meaning, and I do think Jonah Hill is really good, and I do think mm-hmm. Lauren London's really good, and I think Julie Louis Dreyfus is really good, and I think Eddie Murphy was really probably doing exactly what was asked of him and i just don't i just don't think it was i don't think it comes together at all i would i would honestly rather watch if i was gonna recommend a remake of guess who's coming to dinner i would say watch the one with ashton kutcher and bernie mac because it's funny (laughs) i don't know if it's a good movie but it's at least funny Mm -hmm. or maybe it isn't i don't Uh, know the movie's like 20 years old and i haven't seen it in like 20 years so mm mm-hmm I will yeah. say as well, uh, technically, this movie was not a well-made movie. Like, on, on some technical level. I don't know how listeners, I don't know how sensitive you are to shots being out of focus. Or there's a there's a shot transition screen, which is where, like, panels are scrubbed over each other. That feels like it came straight out of Fresh Prince Bread Air in the 90s. Like, it just felt cheap, really cheap. And some of this, yeah. some of this film is not well-made at all. So, your mileage may vary, but that really bothers me actually yeah i noticed most of that too i just didn't like given given that the rest of it didn't like that's again the kind of thing i can gloss over if the rest of it worked yeah. but it didn't it didn't so i didn't so so i did say you were oscillating between two and three stars where did you land on this in the end two i'm giving it ah. a two yeah it's it's enough for a three for me i did enjoy it a bit more than you evidently one star more than you i think for me it's a very very just about a three and it's probably a high-ish two for you so that's probably makes sense but no i mean the the reason i was oscillating is that like this is exactly the kind of movie that i used to i used to just give a two and a half to because right yeah like i'm definitely not i'm definitely not connecting with it um i think some Mm -hmm. people probably will um mm-hmm. but in the end like i didn't i didn't like that's why i went to whole numbers only because to keep me honest i didn't really like this movie so i'm mm-hmm. giving it a two that's fair enough yeah uh it's a three for the the, the leads for me and um how they sort of bounce off each other in the first half i like that yeah and that's fair so uh anyway it's on netflix if you have netflix you own this movie that's the joy of the streaming model you know well, have you... paid for this film so well you don't own it do you just have than... you have access to it until they decide <laughs> the they don't want to they don't want to pay the residuals anymore but that's true oh they're not warner they usually keep things on yeah usually so far anyway so far um so yeah it's there it's there if you want it <laughs> what a box quote it's there if you want it. Yeah. Um, Title of your sex tape. Let's move uh, on. 
<laughs> yeah, that was pretty accurate, actually. Me screaming yeah. at my, my wife. Yeah, um, sounds yeah. about right. Well, let's move on <laughs> to uh, our second film of the night, which is uh, our our very slight catch up from the early early part of January. Um, yeah. We're going to talk about a movie that we both really liked, uh, which is the killer robot movie Megan, or if you prefer, uh, Mithrigan. Um, uh, uh, capital M three, capital G, capital A, lowercase n. Yeah, thank you very uh, much. <laughs> directed by Gerard Johnstone and written by Akila Cooper, uh, with a story from Cooper and James Wan, um, and starring uh, who's in this one? Allison Williams. Allison Williams, who's great, um, fantastic. Uh, and Violet McGraw, who you regular listeners will remember, she was in uh, The Haunting of Hill House, which Simon still has not watched, as far as I know, because he's a giant wuss. Um, <laughs> Come on, I watched this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. This is not a scary movie, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> although, you know, she was also in uh, Black Widow and Doctor Sleep and a few other things. Um, okay. Uh, along with Ronnie Chiang and then a young dancer named Amy Donald and another young person called Jenna Davis, who are the the, the body and voice of Megan, um, mm-hmm. respectively. Uh, and this is a movie uh, where uh, a young girl who's just lost her parents uh, is given, like her custody is taken by her aunt, played by Allison mm-hmm. Williams. And Allison Williams happens to be a genius roboticist who works for a toy company <laughs> uh, and has been developing this young robot companion for children named Mithrigan, Megan. And, <laughs> uh, and she decides to use her grieving niece as a, like a beta test, basically. What could possibly go wrong? And what could possibly go wrong? Um, this is a film which is exactly the film that you are, is being advertised. They have a robot and the robot, as the robot gains awareness, it becomes, it corrupts its core mission of protecting the young girl from harm by, by basically eventually turning to killing people. And it is a fucking blast from start to finish. Uh, It's an, uh, it's a tight 102 minutes and there's nary a wasted frame. Um, I don't want to spoil it for you, but like, I'm not sure you can, because again, like every single beat of this movie, you, as soon as you see like, you know, Chekhov's giant re- remote controlled robot in the first <laughs> act, you exactly know what's going to happen with that robot. And every time, you know, there's a a nosy, angry neighbor with a with a mangy, <laughs> grumpy dog, grumpy dog, and you know exactly what's going to happen to that dog, and uh, Alice Williams and Violet McGraw sell every goddamn second of it. Every yeah. second of it. That's the uh, key, isn't it, with this kind of film, is to be, the actors need to be in on it, and Alison Williams is actually uh, in on it, and I um, also, I really thought a big part of this were Brian Jordan Alvarez and Jen Brown as the other engineers of Megan, who mm-hmm. also give us, like, if we see that people are scared of the threat that we are scared of the threat and between the three of them they have some really wonderful moments where they start working out that 
what they have built a monster that they possibly cannot control. And um, it's you're completely right in that every it's such a well made, well written movie. I just want to say that first of all, yeah. like Blumhouse is really good at making good movies. Like they, their quality is very, very good at their films. Um, and um, every I mentioned in a last movie how I do find that I am quite sensitive to technical things not being good. But when they are good, like really good, it is a genuine like pleasure to see a well-made movie. And it's just written and edited and directed brilliantly and acted brilliantly. And uh, it wants it you feel like it wants the audience to have a really good time. Because it's not the kind of horror where you've got a threat and the threat scares you. I it's would the kind I would of, go so far as to say it's not it's almost not even horror. It's barely uh, I mean, horror. I guess okay. it's definitely but, horror, but like it's it's only barely horror, really. Yeah, 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 absolutely. There are moments in this film where you start rooting from for the horror, where you're like, it's like rubbing your hands with glee. Oh, what's she gonna do now? Even though you don't hate the people that she's doing it to, well, most of them anyway. Yeah, yeah some of them you do, but. Um, uh, I think I think the movie's actually really smart in that basically everyone she murders. You can you can basically be like, yeah, murder that person. Yes, Mur- <laughs> just murder the hell out of that. Child. Murder the hell out of that person, Megan. Like, yeah. Oh, the, oh, the neighbor has an angry dog. Oh, I guess the neighbor's got to die. <laughs> like, and it's very it's, interesting when the when the dog dies. A spoiler: the dog dies. Uh, you don't see it. Don't worry. Uh, in fact, the reason why this isn't really horror, horrific things happening, but the camera pulls away i it's such a pleasure for me as well because i don't like horrors that really revel in the blood and guts and gore and breaking arms and bones and things on screen i don't find that pleasurable in fact i find it the opposite megan's just again a brilliantly directed movie that the horror happens in the second after the camera cuts away so your imagination does all the work so um usually things like dead space in the screening you know someone's going to pop out usually that's a terrifying moment but the weird thing is like and let's use the dog example we all know the dog dies like we should feel bad for the dog at this point we should feel scared for the dog but we're all like she's coming like she comes and she comes. <laughs> oh, when she does come i really wish i'd seen this with a big drunk crowd of people because i bet it plays like absolute gangbusters in front of everyone uh, and, um, yeah, I think you're probably right. And um, it's just a, ple- a, a real pleasure. And, and uh, of course, casting a dancer as the body of Megan is an f- amazing choice because there is so much uncanny valley with how she moves and how she turns her neck and her arms and her legs. And it, it is so cleverly done to make her kind of real, but not quite. And it's just fantastic. Yeah, it's an interesting blend of, like, there's lots of full body stuff where it is a person in a suit, basically. Uh, And there's lots of stuff where it's an animatronic head. Uh, And it's very rarely, like, it's there's obviously some CG happening for enhancements, but you can tell that Mm -hmm. most of it is, at least least parts of it are happening in front of you. Uh, And that's pretty Mm -hmm. great. Um... I mean, if I have a criticism, honestly, it's that it does does this does feel feel 
like it was originally intended to have an R rating and was cut down. Um, cause it does like, you could tell that it goes, it would, it, that, it, that it's going to go places. And mm-hmm. I don't think in a, in a bad way. Um, you know, I, I am, uh, much better with horror than I used to be to be fair. <laughs> but, um, mm-hmm. you can definitely tell that like there was some creative stuff going on that got cut for rating for the rating. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing because I think this is a pretty perfect gateway horror for anyone yeah. who's not great with horror, basically. Um, I think that if and, and anyone who is a fan or wants to make someone else a fan of the killer robot genre, because uh, mm-hmm. this is a great entry in that genre. Mm-hmm. Um. No, but I, I, I do, I do, yeah. I do understand that there's perhaps like a director's cut or an extended cut with with some of the stuff that's been cut out coming. Uh, I imagine we'll see that at, uh, on home release probably, um, and I do look forward to that. But it doesn't actually matter. Like this is still a great time at the movies, um, and I had a blast watching it. And I would say that if you really wanted to see the like R-rated version of this, just go watch. Um, Malignant from last year, or year before last, I should say, uh, which is not a killer robot movie, but is from a lot of the same people, the same production, you know, James Wan's production company with James Wan directing. And it has a, a lot of very tonal similarities, except for that obviously it's R rated, so it goes to a lot darker places. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the, the, the bad guy in that one is just, just as, just as ridiculous. Uh, and moves really interestingly, and uh, I I can't can't recommend either of these films enough. Really, see for me, it's stronger that it is cut down to to meet the certificate. I'm I don't I don't need my horror to be horrific. Does that make sense? I don't need I don't need to see anything. I, my imagination is far more powerful, and it's so much more fun in this current state. Maybe is there a director's cut coming? Is that is that a thing that's happening? I, I someone mentioned something about it on Twitter. So I think I in in a, in a way where I don't have any knowledge of it. I think it probably yes. Because I think I also I... this is a movie that got dumped in the first week of January. So I don't mm-hmm. think they necessarily had a ton of confidence in it. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, and then it did really critically really well. So I think, and mm-hmm. I think uh, box office has done quite well as. Uh, also so i think yep. probably speaking yes there'll be a director's cut because this movie's made like 130 million dollars on a 12 million dollar budget so Whoa, like there's nice. also there's already a sequel been greenlit as well yes i'm very excited about that all i want from the sequel because there's a, f- a few moments in this where there's some um spontaneous singing and let me tell you to, to have this doll singing there's this wonderful mix of this is amazing and this is creepy as hell um i want the sequel to be a full-on original musical like the whole <laughs> i want them just to go the whole shebang and just make it a full musical because and and cross that somewhere if you can um picture apex's apex twins uh, come to daddy video as well maybe <laughs> something on that level like that's where I want Megan 2.0 to go. It's It's got tons of potential. It's got a great final frame. 
there's I've got one story criticism. Uh, there's one big thing that's shown at the beginning that should have been the payoff at the end and was not, and I don't know why it wasn't. And I can't say any more without spoiling. It's a minor thing. But I'm going to ask you, you about this half off yeah, air because I don't know what you're air. talking about. Yeah, but it's a minor thing. And um, I it's absolutely the kind of movie I'm going to buy and rewatch over and over and over because it's just such a fun time. And it doesn't make you feel bad, uh, even though there's there's a few like horrific bits. But really, it, a lot of it's in the imagination. A lot of it is threat rather than actual carrying out the threat. And it's just so brilliantly made. It was just such a pleasure to watch this film. Yeah, it's great. And I can't recommend it enough. Yes. It's uh, it's a very strong start to 2023, and it is, it really is a very strong start to the horror prospects of 2023. Mm-hmm. Um, and Alison Williams now has been in, like she's pretty think pretty I think pretty well established as a uh, you know a bit of a horror icon, having previously starred in both Get Out and The Perfection. Um, which I never saw the whole thing of, um, but she like she has what like one, two, three, four, five. She's got five credits, five film credits, and three of them are horror movies. And I uh, what's the other one? Uh, she's uh, she has a credit in a short film, and then she's in a film in twenty twenty called Horizon Line, Swedish oh, film. Uh, Get Out and The Perfection are both, and this are all horror. Oh, okay. Oh, I'll be sure to check that out. Yeah. Um, that looks good. Horizon Line looks really interesting. Yeah, it's uh, Swedish, apparently. Uh, you know, the, the Nordic peoples make interesting movies. Oh my god, she played Kate Middleton and Will and Kate before Happily Ever After. Is that her? <laughs> and what, have you actually seen I, that? Yes, in 2011, I I believe I watched part of it. Yeah, oh. <laughs> and she was Peter Pan in Peter Pan Live. Yeah, that yeah, I knew because that was after Girls. She's oh, you know fantastic. Her big breakout being okay. Girls. Um, I want to I want to work through her filmography. I thought she was great. Yeah, good. How many stars are you going with M3GA? Mm. Uh, I will give Mathrigan four stars. Yes, uh, and, I'm and also you? giving four stars. Yeah, I'm I'm at four stars, a wonderful, fun-filled four stars. And I think I'm only not giving five because I really get the feeling, uh, based on previous Blumhouse stuff, that they're really going to push the boat out for the sequel and make it even more crazy. And I think that's going to be a solid five. So I need somewhere to go for the sequel. <laughs> so this, is a, this is a four. And maybe, now, Jason Blum, if you're listening... <laughs> Which I'm sure you are. I love Blumhouse. You once said that when the when you made some more money, if you were successful with projects, you would seriously move into development for Happy Death Day Three. I feel like you've made a ton of money in the last couple of years. You've been very successful. It's time for the Scooby Gang to get back together, and please give us the end to that trilogy. If you haven't seen Happy Death Day, this was yet another Matt. I told you so which I avoided for a long time because I thought it sounded shit. And then I watched it and realized it wasn't. (laughs) Then I watched the second one the next day. And I've been in love with those two movies ever since. Yeah. And I did tell you so. And then he also made uh, 
Freaky, which I know you love as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Also pretty great. great. He actually, um, Christopher Landon, the writer-director of Happy Death Day, has another movie coming out this year called We Have a Ghost, which is meant to be... Oh, was that him? Fantastic. It's it's coming out later this year. I've heard good things about that. Uh, Yeah, I haven't heard very much, but it's him, and it's coming out in February on Netflix, so we will probably Mm. be covering it. Yeah, boy. Okay. So yes, go go watch Megan if you can with a group. If it's still showing, I'm not sure it is, but uh, it is. Um, it's, it's we. It came out on demand, and it is technically still in theaters. Yeah. Uh, so if you have a chance, see it with a big group. Uh, but either yeah. way, I would fully recommend seeing it. Four stars. Yeah. Four yeah. stars. Excellent. Good. Okay, so what have Good. you what have you got coming up apart from Sundance? I know Sundance is done now, isn't it? So what have you got for next week? What do you uh, watch list on your watch list? I have no idea. I um I am working through I'm trying to my goal this year, one of my other goals this year is to watch more Indian cinema, so I am in the midst of watching mm-hmm. um Padmavat, which I'm very much enjoying. Uh and I also just sent out a thing to a bunch of people I know um from the uh, uh who are Indian and said like tell me what to watch. So I'm assembling a list, a watch list for myself. Nice. Um, and I don't know. I was gonna. We were gonna watch Infinity Pool, uh, but you said no. Uh, but oh, I we 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 you and me we. Yeah, I thought you, you said, watched it last night. I did watch it, but you um, pieced oh. out on talking about it. Here. Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm not watching. I'm not. I. Uh, yeah, I watched the trailer, and it's like you know, I'm never ever gonna watch that film. Yeah, but it's I not, felt the it's same not about. A, it's not exactly the film that's been advertised, so is it, that, is it good? Yeah, it's quite. It's good. It's definitely good. Okay. <laughs> um, Excellent. I I'm going to be finishing Station Eleven very soon. I've got two two and a half episodes left. Yeah, and that's been wonderful. So that's my week. That's yeah, and you're about a year. You're about a year behind, so that makes sense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you have the great pleasure of watching. Um, uh, the Last of Us episode three, mm. uh, as of the day this podcast comes out. So I look forward to your reaction mm. to that because it is. Oh, that's your favorite episode, isn't it's it? It's my favorite episode of the whole series, uh, mm. and because it's the best episode of the whole series. Okay, yeah. I'm enjoying that so far. It's very good. Yeah. Anywho, uh, well, I think we're gonna wrap okay. it up there. Um, we will be back uh, with a show about Sundance, myself and Rachel, and then uh, Simon and I will okay. be back next week with two other films. Um, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, uh, thank you very much. Thank you for being here. Thank you for joining us. Uh, if you'd like to support us, consider giving us a five-star review on your podcasting platform of choice. Um, or just hit that subscribe button. Smash that like button. Whatever the thing is you need to do, that's what we encourage you to do. And if you'd like to support us a little more directly, we have a Patreon and a Ko-fi, and those will both be linked in the show notes as well. Um, you can find us on the socials, uh, mainly Twitter, while it is still upright. Seems to be crumbling a little more daily, but uh, Simon is at Temporary Pen, I am at Matthew AF, and we are at Awesome Friday CA. Uh, and I believe the same is true on Instagram, at least for Awesome Friday and for me. And uh, we record this here in Vancouver on the unceded lands of the Musqueam and Tsleil-Waututh and Squamish peoples. And one more time, thank you so much for being here and for listening and for joining us on this awesome project. Thanks, bye.